Hello and welcome back to Goods Conversations by the Queen's Business Review. Here at QBR, we believe in illuminating topics of interest and celebrating the power of information. Throughout this academic year, join myself and QBR as we celebrate the diverse experiences and opinions of our graduating class. I'm your host, Uni Kosla, and this week I am so excited to be joined by Victoria Potoshnik as we explore the future of Generation Z. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be featured on QBR's podcast talking about something that I'm really excited about. Yeah, so glad you could be here. So why don't you start off by telling us uh, how you came up with this idea? Yeah, so my interest and kind of fascination with this topic began this past summer. I interned at Deloitte and Consulting and spent a lot of time reading different thought leadership and came to realize how our generation, Gen Z, and even millennials who are one generation above us, Mm -hmm. um, have changed the workforce so much. So that's kind of where the fascination began. And yeah, really excited to dig into this topic. Yeah. So what were the most like interesting takeaways from this survey? I would say the number one was that we're looking for companies that have the same values as we do. So things like climate change and kind of contributing to greater societal issues are something that we think are really important. So And that kind of like resonated with me because I want to work for a company that has the same values that I do and kind of these companies are making so much money and I want to see that they're investing it into society and things that will actually benefit us and generations to come. So So what do you think some of those investments are? I guess my thoughts go right to Patagonia. I know like Deloitte, they care a lot about like fostering education and poverty and a lot surrounding like women and education and that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's something that I've always been passionate about and like making sure that every student has access to education. So do you see these companies as effectively like applying this concept of shared value or do you see that it's more of like corporate corporate signaling? Yeah, I, I would say it's like some of both. Mm -hmm. definitely like they're on such a big stage that it's hard to see the exact value that they're giving to society but right I do like obviously we see the monetary amount that they're donating to xy organization but um it's nice when the people that work there actually believe in those things and can say like oh I did like a day of social impact and volunteered at this organization so that's where you kind of see like the tangible benefit so so do you think that these investments are playing out? Do you think yeah. they're working? Yeah, I, I like to think so. So I why feel... is it do you think our generation values, you know, giving back to the society giving back to society or having some sort of impact? Do you think like, you know, makes us feel good, makes us feel Yeah. I've honestly never really thought about it that much, but I would just say that we are exposed to so much information and right. we're just so much more aware of these issues that they're becoming important to us and like I guess with climate change being such a hot topic right now, like we're seeing and witnessing the change mm-hmm. that's happening. So maybe it's maybe I think, it's that. Yeah, I also think it's because we're starting to realize that it impacts us a little more directly, yeah. um, more so now than the generations before, you know, because of things like globalization and mm-hmm. climate change, um, like you said. So how is our generation changing the workforce? Like, how are we disrupting? From my experience this summer, I would say the number one biggest thing is that we are so reliant on technology and Mm -hmm. we know so much about technology. Whether it's a shortcut on Excel or a shortcut on PowerPoint to, like, suggesting using artificial intelligence to do a certain task, we kind of brainstorm those things. And the first thing that comes to mind when we think of kind of working on a process or improving a process is is technology. Yeah, like, how can we make it more efficient? How can we make it faster? That kind of thing. And, like, I think it's also, like, the way we work. Like, we like to work from Starbucks and like work from home whereas like why is that though? yeah like, I, I'm one to always like to work at a cafe I just you know, yeah I think it comes it circles right back to autonomy like yeah. just being able to say okay this is where I'm going to do work today I don't have to yeah. dress up I don't have to go into the office like, yeah totally that's awesome I think 
Yeah, I don't know where this like coffee culture of studying came from, right? It's just nice to have people around you, I think. But, Even like, though, office, yeah. The office is busy oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Honestly, if I knew why everyone likes to go to Starbucks, that would be... Open up your own study <laughs> Starbucks cafe business. Yeah, no, exactly. Totally. Is there any other ways that you feel that Generation Z is challenging the workforce or changing or disrupting? So something else that I've noticed is we're kind of wanting to create these own titles for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like chief diversity officer never existed 10 years ago. Right. And like we're taking control and autonomy over our careers and our professional development and saying, this is something I'm interested in. This is something I'm passionate about. Why not create a role out of it? Yeah. And I fully see that come into play, even at school. Um, I'm on Qubit, which is the Queen's biomedical innovation team. And when I joined, they were like, okay, like figure out what you want your role to be and then name yourself. I was like, what? Like, I've never, never experienced something like that. Yeah. So I was like, I can definitely see that translating even um, in the extracurricular space. Mm -hmm. And I've even had some mentors who are 15, 20 years older than me. So Mm -hmm. obviously a part of different generations who have just been like, take control over your career. Like, don't let the business drive your career. And like, I think it used to kind of be like that. You come in as an analyst, you get promoted after two years where now it's not a straight line trajectory. Right. It's, you know, so cookie cutter for everyone I've talked to kind of, you know, significantly older than I am. And I guess that's, that's what turns us away. Well, that's what turns me away personally, like from these types of jobs, just because I feel like I don't want to be sitting in the same place. Yeah. Uh, 20 years from now because, you know, I was too afraid to ask for something or Mm -hmm. I was too afraid to take control of my own career. Right. Do something that makes me happy. Right. And I think that's guiding a lot of us who are going the untraditional career way or the career route. Um, Like startups, like your own boss kind of thing. Yeah, like startups, just the whole, like not even your nine to regular nine to five job or Mm -hmm. just even industries that we thought we weren't able to enter before. We're just feeling way more empowered and so excited about waking up and doing something we love every single minute of the day rather than you know working the nine to five coming home and then having only a you know x amount of hours to work on the side hustle or get excited about something you're actually passionate about yeah and I think that's also why when I look for somewhere to work it's somewhere that invests in like continuous learning and education and like I'm really passionate about like women in leadership Mm -hmm. and like helping women succeed in like male dominated industries like technology for say so I'm like kind of looking for a company that does those kinds of initiatives and like wants people to engage in those types of initiatives so and what are the some of the successful initiatives yeah so I went to draw you to these companies so I so I worked in consulting over the summer and Mm -hmm. took on like a lot of technology projects which I never really saw myself doing but ended up really liking okay um so I was on one about cloud strategy Mm -hmm. and I attended a workshop for women in technology because there's such a lack of women in technology and like (laughs) there's so many like CTOs and CEOs that say that women in STEM positions will help gender equality so Mm -hmm. that's something that I've kind of become really passionate about over the last few months so I attended this workshop on women in technology and like they set us up with mentors and like how to empower ourselves to pursue these careers and like the biggest thing is like we don't think we can do it but right but we can like we totally can and I think so do you think affirmative action is a solution you know what it's definitely part of it okay it's definitely part of it I don't know nothing's as easy as like one two three kind of thing but I think like the onus is on us as women to kind of pursue these careers and motivate each other too I think so too I think like the root of the problem is that we're not getting the same STEM education, yes. I think, as 
like the, our male counterparts and that's what leads to like this lack of confidence yeah the lack of numbers like and then obviously like the progression into these leadership roles so yeah. I'm not you know I'm not even sure if affirmative action like at the end of the timeline is the right solution because at the end of the day like I don't know if everyone's kind of like this but I believe that I want to be chosen for this job because I'm the best not yeah. because you know I'm a girl and they want to fill a quota totally. right and I yeah. feel like you know while it helps us while it helps bring you know women to the table yeah it does affect the quality right mm-hmm. if you're picking someone who's second best third best rather than who's the best so I think it falls all the way back to that system problem where it's women need to just be more engaged in STEM from the Mm get-go um so that we're learning at the same rate or at the same pace with the same opportunities as our male counterparts yeah yeah, that's true. I think um, McKinsey also like did a study about how women promote women and men promote men. So yeah. that's like one thing that it's like a little bit staggering when you look yeah. at like the amount of women in leadership positions. And hopefully that is not true, that <laughs> men just promote men. And I know it's not true, but you have to think about those things, right? Yeah, we, we should be promoting whoever. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't matter. Who's best for the position. So what's the ideal workplace for someone like you and I? Yeah. So I would say the ideal workplace is somewhere that's flexible. So I like love these sit where you want, mm-hmm. dress for your day type of workplaces. Right, so, dress for your day. That's yeah. something that our older generations yeah. are not familiar no, with. No, I know. Um, I had a boss who was, I think, probably like 55. And on casual Fridays, he would show up in his three-piece suit. No because way. He, doesn't, it's just he too, just doesn't understand. It's yeah. too weird for him to walk into this office yeah. in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, and then there's like these young people in like jeans, white t-shirt, white sneakers, <laughs> yeah. like could be going to the bar after work type of thing. But um, I don't know. There were some days that like I loved sitting in like a beanbag chair, like when mm-hmm. I had to think. Or there's some days where I like needed a double monitor and needed to kind of put my head down. So... I really, really like that. Um, being able to go to the gym at lunch would be right? awesome. Right. Having enough time for that. And I, do, I, yeah. Do you think that, you know, these extra flexibilities contribute to like poor productivity in some way? Like, do you think we um, get carried away? So when I started working at Deloitte last summer, I was like, I can't believe I don't have a boss and I can work from home and like all yeah. these different things. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But you quickly learn that you're responsible for your work and it's your day, name right? on whatever you're handing in. So you better do a good job. And I think having those perks and like telling employees that they can go to the gym at lunch or they can leave at four o'clock if they want, but you need to get your work done. Like it's working. Honestly, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's because a lot of us have, or a lot of these companies have realized that there's different learning styles and people work at their own pace. Some people are morning people. Some people work best at night. Um, So yeah, I guess like that's, that's proof that they're catering to our learning styles, right? Yeah. And then again, just like somewhere where I can like continuously be learning and like if I have an idea, someone will sit down and listen with me and kind of talk through it and say like, okay, is there a place in our business for this? I think approachability in a boss is something that I was really looking for. Oh, for sure. If I have a question or if I have an idea, like I want to be able to knock on your door and tell you. Like, yes. I don't want to have to, like, awkwardly, like, wait to run into yes. you in an elevator or wait for our, like, progress review, like, that kind of thing. Um, which I think, you know, companies are doing a pretty good job with. Like, I yeah. had a great relationship with my direct manager, even though, like, you know, we were not working on the same yeah. types of things. No, I agree. And I think it's, like, I honestly think... I, I experienced this too, that it's less like hierarchy. Oh yeah. And like, I feel totally comfortable approaching my mm-hmm. manager with like, I don't know how to do this or I need help with this kind of thing. Whereas I feel like back in the day, like it wasn't as easy to go to your manager and say, I don't know how to do something. No, because people kind of led with fear back then. Right. Um, and you know, if that that's what worked back then, that's fine. It's just different now. I feel like, I want to respect my boss. I don't want to fear my boss because you know, at the end of the day, they're my biggest role model. Yes. Like I'm trying to learn from them. 
Yeah, and I think, like, even, like, the different leadership strategies that we learn in school, mm-hmm. it's not about coercion anymore. And it's no. not about fear. It's about, like, instilling that role model, like, being, yeah, no, being I a remember role model. reading or hearing this one thing in lecture of um, don't stand in front of someone, stand behind them. Yeah. Like, you're trying to support your employees yeah. through this process. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I've, I've really felt that, like, over my last summer mm-hmm. that, like, my boss was someone that I could talk to about anything type of thing. And, do you like, think that's going to continue? Or do you I think where's so. line going to be drawn, though? Yeah. Like, going to drinks with your boss um versus like the next day you do something wrong and they're upset at you like how do you yeah and that kind of so over the summer I kind of had this like thought about work-life balance Mm -hmm. and how someone told me well if you come to work and talk about your kids and talk about your family and your house you're merging the line so don't expect other people to kind of follow that boundary so right if you're coming to work talking about your kids and your husband and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like it's totally appropriate for your co- colleague to ask you about that kind of stuff. Right. And that's where you kind of blur the line between oh, okay. work and life. That's and I thought that's a really good it's a really good, good piece of advice. Like, yeah. If you don't want to blur the line, then completely separate the two. Like, mm-hmm. don't talk about your kids at work. Because you lead yeah. by example. Like, if you set the norm that this is okay to talk about, then yes. someone else is going to ask you. But yeah, no, that's good. That's yeah. good advice. So what do you feel like um, the ideal work-life balance situation is? So, okay, so I know this is kind of like a (laughs) controversial topic, I guess. No, so fair. We love that here. (laughs) I want my work and my life to coexist. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people that want to be really good friends with my colleagues. So I'll have no problem talking about, like, what I did on the weekend or Thanksgiving or that kind of stuff and, like, vacations. And I think it's important to kind of build those relationships with your colleagues. But totally respect people that completely want to separate the two. Yeah, no, that's their choice, right? Um, But I do think that that's a trend in our generation. Like, we usually spend you know you spend so much of your day at work yeah. these are people you see for over 40 hours 40 hours or over yeah. 40 hours a week and yeah like you're just making it kind of a miserable experience yeah. for yourself if you don't well I mean I don't know who you are yeah but don't want to engage in friendships yeah but no I totally think they coexist and like realizing that there's times where work is is gonna be a priority I yeah. guess and then not to say that life is ever not a priority like no. definitely like sleep eat work out but there's going to be times where you're going to have to give and take. And, like, mm-hmm. if you go on vacation for two weeks, like, work is going to take a backseat kind of thing. So I kind of am firm in the belief that I think they coexist. I think that that's a big, like, Generation Z millennial yeah. thought. Just because as you get older, um, you do take on more responsibility. Generally, you take yes. on more responsibilities. And sometimes it's not, you know, I can pack up and go whenever I have a family. I have yes. XYZ responsibilities. Um, yeah, so that's going to change, I bet, hey, yeah. once we start having kids <laughs> and mortgages and all those fun things. I don't know. Like, I personally think that this is how the future is going to carry on. And that yeah. kind of ties back to the point where, you know, we don't want to settle down. We don't want families that are as big as we once wanted in the past. Um, for me, like, I take it a step further. I want my work and my life to be one and the same. Like, yeah. I want to wake up every single day giving 100% to my work because it's going to be what I love. And, yes. you know, it's going to take a lot to get there and it's going to take a lot of sacrifices and probably more school than I had anticipated coming in to this program. But I, ge- I genuinely believe that, like, that's the way forward and that's how I want to be living my life mm-hmm. in this 45-year career. Yeah. And you, like you do, we look for passion in our jobs. Like I want to go to work every day, loving what I do and feeling like I'm providing value in somewhere that I want to be. So I think it's also in the long hours that we work, like inevitably, you know, at the beginning of our career, it's likely not going to be, um, a nine to five. It's going to be a little bit longer (laughs) than that. Sometimes weekends. I experienced that first year this summer. 
Um, and I found that I was really frustrated and I'd have to wait until like eight, nine o'clock before I could, you know, read something that I enjoyed or like learn the stuff that I'm wanting to learn on the side, like participating in my side hustles and all of that. And I was just, you know, something that I don't want to have to sacrifice yeah. um, moving forward in my career. Like I want to be able to do that all throughout the day. Yeah. Um, just so that I know that I'm not waiting for nine o'clock, eight o'clock. Like I'm not waiting for the day to be over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what's like nice about all these like extracurricular activities, so you call it mm-hmm. at, at work. Like yeah. being part of like a woman in leadership club at work. Like you get to like exercise that passion and exercise that interest, but still be at work. So actually, that's an initiative that very few companies have taken. Um, they're they're doing a really good job, the ones who have. Yes. But I think that that's kind of the way forward with like the smaller, mid-sized companies as well. I feel like that'll really, really have a difference. Um, on your employees just because so many of us in university are so used to being involved yes like we're groomed to always you know have all these meetings run these leadership be in these leadership positions so I think that yeah translating it directly to the workplace is a really good yeah it's just like a good use of skills yes well I can't wait to be invited back to the Smith School of Business and speak (laughs) on a panel on like women in technology kind of thing but yeah I think that's that's the way forward too I totally agree and like hopefully these companies kind of realize that it's not that we don't want to be at work and it's not that we don't want to be grinding it's that we want to do something we're passionate about so whether it's an extracurricular or a project or sending us away for six months to do some sort of training like Mm -hmm. I think that's that's what it's going to be like for us do you also think that the onus is on us to make sure that we're applying or working for companies that we are passionate about oh yeah I think so I think we have so much information out there. There are so many different companies to work Mm -hmm. for. Like, you should choose one that their values resonate with you and the work that they do is important to you. Like, because there's only so much your employer can do to make you feel that way, right? Like, I feel like passion kind of is intrinsic and it has to come from you. For sure. Arguably, you can find passion in anything you do, but the genuine passion, and I think at the Smith School of Business, we're so fortunate to be in a position where we can choose where we work. A lot of people kind of aren't in the position where no that's what I'm saying like being as privileged as we are if we get to choose oh yeah might as well be choosing wisely right like put some thought into it so that you know I had this whole realization when I realized this summer that a career doesn't span five years no it spans 45 years yeah and that is a really long time to be doing something you don't enjoy yes and like I guess even I know one of the hot topics is that millennials and gen z kind of aren't loyal to their companies right but like you're saying, like 45, 50 years, I personally have no problem staying at one company for that long. Really? I just want to be able to try different things, you know? Okay, yeah. And I think, I don't know, this is my perspective, but I like working for a big company because there's so much opportunity. And there's, you can say like, hey, I really want to do this, or can I take on this role for a year? You know, on the other side of that, I prefer working for a smaller or mid-sized yeah. company just because really? I feel like I have more autonomy over my projects. I feel like I have to yes. go through less people before it reaches, you know, the end client or the end user and that right. kind of thing. And I just feel like, yeah, I have more of a, more responsibility, more of a say yes. in what I'm doing. Yes. Um, and that's what I really appreciate about like, you know, a small company or yeah. even a mid-sized company. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think a lot of my peers feel the same way you do. I, I just have always, I think I've always worked for big companies in the mm-hmm. summer and I've seen like the progression of kind of my superiors and how they've been like, hey, I'm really passionate about this. I think there's a business case for it. Like, right. can I do this? Yeah, I guess that kind of opportunity, it exists if you seek it out, I think, yes. or initiate it yourself in a smaller company, but... The funding and yeah. Right, you know, so many yeah, obstacles. Yeah, but... 
No, in my readings, a lot of the studies said, like, Gen Z is not going to stay with your company for very long. <laughs> like, they're going to stay for five years, then hop to a new one, then start their own business, then maybe come back, which, I, I don't know, I see a lot of, a lot of, like, understanding behind that. Like, I see a lot of my peers kind of pursuing those types of untraditional careers, too, so. So you think that the solution is that we just invest in our employee, or these companies invest in our employees, give, provide them with the opportunities that they would be seeking elsewhere, and then hopefully they'll stay? I think it's all about growth, and okay. it's all about diverse opportunities. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be doing the same 10 projects for my whole career. Like, Absolutely. You're the same, you know, working on the same spreadsheet yeah. <laughs> forever. Yeah, like maybe I want to spend some time as a consultant. Maybe I want to move to talent for a few years or, mm-hmm. like, check out the diversity and inclusion rules there. Like, I just think in order to keep talent, you need to provide them with opportunities and different opportunities. Yeah, no, and for you to be translating to a different job function at the same company still reduces training costs oh, because yeah. they don't have to you know recruit they don't have to retrain they don't have to make sure that you understand or are a good fit with for the company right. and you know what you also see a lot of like the companies doing like flexible benefits like mm-hmm. not investing in pension plans and that kind of stuff like not like giving you like three hundred dollars to spend on like dental care per year instead of like that fixed insurance policy that right. our parents are used to how do you feel that generation Zed and millennials kind of act towards the whole title situation. Like, do you oh. feel like we're title hungry? Do you oh. feel like that? Do you feel like that's a reason that these employers think that we're not loyal to them? It it could be honestly. I I, I do see some truth behind that. I think some of us are title hungry, and mm-hmm. what, why why is I that? I think it's because we just keep pushing ourselves, and I think maybe it's unique to us here at at Smith, but. We constantly want to learn. We constantly want to get better. We constantly want to explore new opportunities. So right, maybe... Like, why does the title have to I know. signal that that's what we're doing, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. To me, like, success has nothing to do with your titles. Title. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, the need to update your LinkedIn status or something <laughs> like that. So, like, it, I guess it comes from a place of, like, self-validation. Maybe, yeah, no. Maybe you know? that's where it comes from, for sure. Um, and they always say, you know, it is easier to get to a different title at a different firm because, yes. you know, they just, they don't see you as the person who is in a different role. They see yes. you as this new person groomed for this role. So I understand why um, millennials or Generation Z would be translating that way. And, and I think also, like, a lot of these firms aren't doing the traditional, like, okay, you spend two years as an analyst, mm-hmm. you spend one year as a consultant, you spend five years as a senior consultant. Like, it's not, like, a straight line anymore. It's yeah. flexible. Like I remember I went to my boss this summer, and we were talking about next year, and I was, like, having this whole epiphany, you know, that I don't want to be stuck in, a car- like, a career that I don't love. I don't want to be doing the same thing right. for the next, like, 10, 12 years. And she was like, you know, everything is performance-based. Like, if you do your job, you can progress in a way that you know the person next to you didn't like it's yes. all up to you these days nothing is linear like mm-hmm. I mean hopefully it's going at an upward trend, oh I hope it's yeah it has nothing to do with the cookie cutter structure that like yeah. I'm freaking out about yeah um which I really feel like is important to me I feel like I feel like we should be able to define our own career paths and it just comes back to autonomy I think yeah. the big takeaway here is that generation z is obsessed with feeling autonomy. autonomous yeah no, it's true. And I think that's the way forward. Like, I think that that's how real innovation happens. That's yes. why, like, you know, real growth happens. Um, yes. So what's next for you and what are you excited about? So what's next for me is 
finishing off this school year, um, kind of doing different extracurriculars and initiatives that I'm passionate about. And then um, going back to Deloitte next year full time in consulting, which I'm really excited about and kind of Deloitte is such a dynamic workplace and Mm -hmm. I get to do the types of things that I love to do. And I kind of realize all these things in talking to you over this podcast, (laughs) like how fortunate I am to be kind of entering a work that I'm, that I'm really passionate about. So what's next is kind of bringing my Gen Z energy and positivity to the workforce. Yeah, all the good qualities that we have. Yes, and like working, I'm excited to work with different types of people from different generations and different backgrounds and different schooling and yeah, it's it's an exciting time. It I is think an exciting like time. it's a very defining time. Yes. but um, at the same time, it is exciting. Yeah. Well, we're excited to see where you go next, um, and thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Bye.